listening to the Employment Hour with Lior Samfuru and John Scholes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Here on your Monday night, the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. Hello, how are you? Good to uh, good to have you tonight. Uh, Dave Vaughn is on the show tonight, filling in for Lior. Dave, you're here uh, doing your Monday night thing. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to get to the most common questions that we get asked, both on the phones, on the lines, and at the firm as well. A ton of emails, of course, and the phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell or one triple eight two two five. Talk is the toll free number to talk to Dave right to about uh, ten to eight tonight. How are you, pal? Good. How are you? Good. I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. It's the start of a new week, and we're looking forward to the show tonight. The week that was is the way we start. How are we starting? Yeah, so uh, the first one I want to talk about was a case I resolved last week. Uh, at the heart of it was a termination provision. Um, so in this contract of employment that my client uh, had signed, there was a provision that said that uh, she only gets the minimum standards under the Employment Standards Act. Now, the problem for the employer here was that uh, she was a 10-year employee, and eight years into it, they had her sign this contract. So she didn't sign it at the beginning of her tenure. She signed it, um, you know, eight years into the employment relationship. So two years later, they get her, they let her go and they pay her the eight weeks of pay that she's uh, entitled to under the contract and under the Employment Standards Act. Um, so in doing so, they relied upon that contract and that termination provision and really emphasized that to her um, when they let her go. Now, an employer and employee can agree to a specific termination payout in the contract in advance. So you can, an employer can limit it to the Employment Standards Act minimums. Uh, they can limit it to a specific formula. It just has to be at least the, uh, the minimums in the ESA. Now, to be enforceable, though, the contract needs to be signed before the employee starts working, or she must receive some type of consideration for signing it, such as a raise or a signing bonus. So the employer can't just introduce a contract with a termination provision uh, halfway through the employment relationship or any time after the employment relationship starts without giving the employee something. Okay. So it was it was completely unfor- unenforceable. Yeah, that, that's right. There was no consideration. Yes. So you know, before signing this contract and for the first eight years of her employment relationship, she was entitled to common law severance pay, and then the employer introduced a contract. Didn't give her anything, no raise, no mm-hmm. b- signing bonus, nothing, and she essentially just had gave that up. So gave up that you know co- those common law entitlements, and the difference in this case um, was you know basically you know eight weeks under the Employment Standards Act, and in the at the, the time of termination it was about an eight to ten month range is what wow. she would have been entitled to. Um, so it's obviously you know you go from less than two months. You know, there's a six to eight month difference, which is a huge, huge difference, right? And um, that's you know that's the what she could have been give, could have given up um, if uh, if this was uh, you know introduced properly. So we were able once the uh, the employer got a, a lawyer involved, we were able to resolve the case on the basis of eight months of pay, um, f- of full compensation, and uh, so that she got a a termination package in line with her her actual common law entitlements because it was clear uh, to the uh, to the employer's lawyer that there was no chance that they were winning on this consideration issue. You know, and sometimes I know we've talked about. This before in that type of case, it's not always the uh, you know the employer trying to be nasty. Sometimes they don't have good HR, they don't know themselves, and it's like a bucket of water over the head when they realize, oh, I, I I messed up massively. Yeah, that's right, John. And they, I mean, they had this contract, and the contract was very clear what it said, yeah. right? So, um, you know, it can be hard for uh, people that maybe aren't trained in employment law to see that. I mean, you look at the contract; it says you're going to get the ESA, which is eight weeks. So, and that's what we're giving you. So, um, you know, we're not being unfair. Uh, there. So, uh, you know, the less 
lesson in a case like this is, you know, for an employee, it's be careful before signing something um, during the employment relationship. Because in most cases, it's not to benefit you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this example, um, you know, really emphasizes that. Because if she had gotten, you know, a small, uh, you know, increase in pay or a signing bonus, uh, it doesn't have to be big. It can be anything, any increase, any benefit. Um, You know, this would have been enforceable. And she would have lost six months of of compensation, which is obviously a huge cushion in terms of when you're let go, um, the difference between getting eight weeks and, and six months or eight months is is a big difference, right? 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell or one triple eight two two five. talk You want to join the conversation, ask a question. We'd love to talk to you on the uh, Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. What else is uh, is going on on your side? Yeah, the other one uh, I had was I had a, um, a client who had three and a half years of service, and she's brought into a room, and she's – let go, and they they hand her the termination letter, and they had hand, hand her the uh, the the release, and they tell her that she has to sign it there to get her three weeks ESA pay, and she's worried. She thinks they're going to withhold this pay, and she thinks she has no choice, so she signs it. She signs the release, hands it over to them, and when we get involved, they respond and they say, "Oh no, we have." The, she accepted it. You know, she signed this release. She accepted the deal. Two obvious issues there. The first is. You know, it's it's a duress situation. She yeah. had, they they told her she has to sign this before leaving here today. You have to sign this, um, not given any opportunity to to uh, seek legal advice, and so on that basis alone, it would be unenforceable. Um, second, all they provided her with was her minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, and you can't have a, an employee sign a release in exchange for those and a without cause uh, termination. Those are your minimum entitlements. You get that no matter what. It's Beyond those is what you're negotiating and what um, you can have someone sign a release for. Um, so obviously, um, you know, the, the release and settlement uh, documents were unenforceable, and we were able to resolve the case on the basis of four months, which was her, her common law termination entitlements. Um, again, I think the lesson here for employees is to, you know, before you sign anything that your employers, you know, had drafted up, have it, you know, take some time and have it uh, reviewed by a lawyer. And your employer may try to tell you, no, we need this signed right away. And obviously, this was an extreme case, um, you know, that has to be signed right this minute. But you know, other ones we see, you know, it's a couple of days or it's a week. But if you don't have the time to get it properly reviewed and, and have it reviewed by a lawyer, you just need you need to take the time to do that, and you need to, you know, basically tell them that you're going to take more time or, or ask for an extension. Well, it sounds like the whole thing about you know signing it right here, right now, before you walk out that door, the duress thing. That's that's the part that just flushed the whole thing down the toilet for the employer, right? Well, that was that was obviously. See a extreme, you know, situation. Like I haven't seen many of those, obviously. Yeah, but no. we, the one that, so that probably doesn't come up a lot. Um, but it does give the example of, you know, make sh- don't sign anything until you have it reviewed, until you can get legal advice, because there's a reason you're the employer is trying to have you sign this quickly. Um, and like uh, like we always say, your legal rights don't evaporate just because, you know, based on an arbitrary deadline set by your employer. If you're entitled to 12 months compensation, you're entitled to 12 months compensation. That doesn't change just because you don't sign a document um, within one week. And you um, have two years to, to, to go after those rights, right? Yeah, you do. You do for sure. And um, I mean, the other issue here is let's say that this, this situation I had, Let's say it wasn't duress and she was actually given a week or two mm-hmm. to, to sign, but she didn't seek legal advice uh, and she signed it. It would still most likely be unenforceable, this release, and she could actually go after the company still for the set for additional severance because it was just her minimum termination entitlements right. they had to give her anyways. 
And so there was no, again, it's a consideration issue. There's no consideration given for that release and that settlement. So she didn't, she wasn't given anything. She didn't give anything, you know, she gave something up, which was her common law entitlements, but didn't get anything right. back. Wow. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, or one triple eight two two five talk anytime. It is help at employmenthour.com. I want to talk about some of the, and I mean, you touched on a couple of them there, and the most common questions you get, I know, when Lior gets in the firm and, and everybody there on a daily basis, people call into the radio show here, they give you phone calls every day and ask uh, you know, a variety of questions. Uh, first one, I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment? What's going on? Yeah, that's a very, uh, very common one. And it's one that uh, it's tough to explain just because it seems so unfair. But yes, your employer can terminate your employment um, for whatever reason they want, um, assuming it doesn't uh, violate human rights legislation. Right. Um, but they, they, they don't need a reason at all to terminate your employment. Uh, they don't have to tell you the reason. They can just let you go. And um, But in that circumstance, what they have to do is they have to provide you with a fair severance package. And um, if they don't provide you with a fair severance package, that's considered a wrongful dismissal. So a lot of the time when, when I'll speak to people, they've been let go and, you know, they're upset because they were, they were doing a good job. They'd never been warned before. Um, or, you know, the employer said they didn't have enough work, but they, they you know, they believe they clearly right. do. Or they're, um, you know, they looked on, on the uh, Internet and they're already trying to replace them or advertising for their position. All of that is completely irrelevant um, assuming that your employer hasn't alleged just cause for termination. Um, so if they're not alleging just cause, and they, all they have to do is provide you with a fair severance package, just like you can quit your job whenever you want, an employer can let you go whenever they want. They just have to you know, pay a fair severance. Another question that uh, comes up, and this will uh, segue nicely into the uh, severance pay calculator, and people just simply ask, well, how much should I get then? What is my severance offer? What should it be? Yeah, that's a uh, that's another great uh, question, and uh, you know, to get a, a great estimate of it, you go to the severance pay calculator, uh, and you can type in your age, years of service, and, and your position. It'll give you an estimate. And uh, the court, the main factors courts look at when determining severance is they look at age, they look at years of service, and they look at the position. So the older you are, uh, the longer you've been there, and uh, the more senior or specialized, and you know the higher paying um, the position, right. the more severance you're going to get. And really what those factors are intended to predict is how long it should take you to replace that job. And uh, that's what those factors predict. Um, the, you know, there's no rule, rule of thumb. Um, there's no uh, month per year of service or two weeks per year of service, anything like that. Um, we have to look at all the factors. And uh, John, you and I have talked about before, um, sometimes there's uh, unique situations particular to someone's employment situation that are going to actually increase uh, the severance period, such as if they're let go uh, from a, a job that's in a declining industry. Um, or let's say that a company does layoffs across the board, so all of a sudden you're competing with all these other people who have similar um, you know, skills to you and are looking for similar work. Um, you, you may get a, a better severance package. Uh, and it's often disproportionate to how long you've been at the job. For instance, you may get a disproportionate amount of severance if you've been there, say, for only three or four months, right? Yeah, there's a, a misconception out there that, you know, if I'm only a short service employee, I don't get a lot. I'm, you know, right. And that, I think that goes back to the month per year of service thing. Um, if you've only been there for a couple, you know, for a year, people think, oh, there's no way I get more than a month. Um, but no, that's that's not true. That in sh- uh, short service employees, especially ones that are you know in their fifties or sixties, um, who have you know more senior or specialized positions, yeah. they can get you know four to six months in a lot of cases worth of severance pay. Whereas um, you know that that's not the same kind of uh, formula. Uh, you know, as you get up towards uh, eight 
eight, 12 years of service, um, it's going to start slowing down um, the, the rate at which it increases. You need to get a hold of Dave or Lior, anybody else in the firm. It's simple. one 821 5900 is that number. Again, help at employmenthour.com. Full lines are open as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk to uh, talk to us toll-free. I'll get to one more. I'll ask you this before we uh, we take our short break, and that is, um, what do I do? My employer, I'm looking at this offer, or maybe I've already signed. They didn't give me enough severance. What's my first job? What yeah, do I do? It's a great uh, great question that uh, I think is uh, comes up as my last uh, or my, you know, uh, the last week that was we talked about, um, definitely don't just sign it and hand it over to them. Your employer is going to hand you the severance package, the termination letter and release. Um, you know, be polite, take it, ask any questions you may have, and then, uh, you know, leave and uh, assuming they're uh, letting you go immediately and uh, contact, uh, contact our firm to have it reviewed. And I mean, a lot of uh, bigger firms, at least with somewhat sophisticated HR, understand that you might go out and seek the approval or at least seek the advice of a lawyer or a law firm like yourself. So they're cool with it. You're not you're not stepping on any toes here. You should be doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, most companies, especially the, the bigger, more sophisticated companies, absolutely expect to do right. that. I mean, they made a business decision to let you go. Um, and obviously you should be, uh, I can assure you they had their lawyers or uh, human resources draft that document. So you should definitely have someone, uh, someone review it who's seen them before. We'll take a, a quick break. Phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or one 225 talk That number is toll-free. you got a question, a comment, something sparked your interest. Uh, give us a call. Dave will answer your question right up until about 10 to 8 tonight. It's the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio. You're listening to the Employment Hour on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 724. We go right till about 10 to 8. Your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You haven't checked it out, want to find out what your severance offer should be. The correct number, not the one your neighbor across the fence told you. It is severancepaycalculator.com. And with that, we'll go to uh, our first phone call tonight. Hey, Gwen, good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's, uh, what's, what's happening with you? I worked for a major company for 28 years, went on sick leave, and I had to go on long-term disability after six months. And I've been on, I had to, they gave me my separation papers and they all, I had to apply for CPP for my insurance company and I gave them the check and I've been on long-term disability ever since. I was just wondering if I'm entitled to anything from the bank when I do reach retirement because I don't think I'm going to go back to work after all this time. Great, uh, great question, Gwen. So when you say separation papers, is that the record of employment? Yes. So you mean okay? Yes. So they never paid you severance pay or anything like that. I'm sorry. They ne- they didn't pay you severance pay, right? No, they didn't. Okay. So and, and do they contact you at all? I mean, are they still in touch with you? Not the bank, no. No. Not the company, no. Sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, if you haven't been let go, if your employment hasn't been terminated, which they'd need to expressly do that, they'd have to actually tell you that, um, and and give you a letter to doing that. You're still technically an employee. Of the bank, yes, I am because um, my deductions and everything are coming out. Okay, yeah, so you're you're still an employee. You're still accumulating service, um, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And uh, at some point, they may decide to let you go, and you know, you should receive a a, a severance package based on that. Um, okay. At some point, they may try to say that your employment has been frustrated, and, yeah. and try to you know pay you a minimal severance package. Mm-hmm. Uh, frustration is very tough to to establish for for a company. Um, so before they try to do that, you should definitely uh, give us a call and because um, I could see that them doing that at some point. Um, mm-hmm. But with 28 years of service, uh, how old are you? 
I just turned 62. Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, you'd definitely be, uh, you know, upwards of uh, 18 uh, to 24 months in that range um, mm-hmm. in terms of a severance package. So mm-hmm. um, is there any chance you'll be working again? No, no, I won't be. Okay. I've, been off for, I've been off for 16, 17 years now. Oh, that, so you you went off 17 years ago? Yes. Wow, okay. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, at this point, you're still accumulating service. Um, your severance package should take that into consideration. Um, but at this point, there's, uh, you know, there's there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yep. Thanks, Gwen. Appreciate that. If you need uh, to follow up, any more questions, one 821 Should she have done anything different, or should the company have done anything different now that it's been 17 years? No, uh, I mean she's um, you know she's on uh, assumed she's on LTD. I think that's what mm-hmm. she said. So she's you know she's receiving her payments. Uh, nothing to do at this point, um, given that she's unable to return to work and doesn't think she'll ever be able to. Um, the company would be able to say that's likely be able to say that's frustrated. So um, you know, the, in the case of frustration, um, you're usually just going to get your minimum entitlements under the, uh, the Employment Standards Act, or if it's a bank, Canada Labor Code. Um, you know, there there could be a way around that if you know she can get some type of medical evidence saying that there's right. certain jobs she could do. Um, it is a you know big if it's a bank it's a hu- you know huge organization so um, you know they would be able to find her uh, you know a position somewhere I assume so um, you know that may be something uh, she could consider but uh, at this point no there's uh, she should just uh, stay the course right four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on seller one triple eight two two five talk that number is toll free you want to call through till about ten to eight tonight taking your calls your questions your queries as well severance pay canada uh, pardon me severance pay calculator.com you want to find out what your severance offer really should be the accurate number takes about 30 seconds at the bottom you can just walk away anonymously or there's a contact button you get a hold of dave or lee or or somebody else at the firm as well so most common questions my employer says i'm on a temporary layoff we love this one what can i do yeah, this is a very common one we get. You'll, uh, I'll speak to someone. They say, you know, I, I'll say, you know, you've been let go. No, no, I haven't been let go. I've been, you know, temporarily laid off. Well, a temporary layoff is a termination right. unless one of two conditions can be met. The first is there's an express term allowing for layoffs for temporary layoffs, and that would need to be contained in a contract of employment. So, if uh, the contract of employment, which was received, you know, signed before the employment relationship starts, or you know, during, and there's consideration given uh, for it, like we discussed at the beginning of the show, uh, and that contract says, you know, we can lay you off temporarily in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. That is allowed. Um, the second one would be if there's an implied term in the employment relationship that allows for layoffs. So if that this employee has been laid off several times in the past, that's an implied term that it can happen again. That doing it in the future on a temporary basis is not a termination. And uh, the idea there being, well, yes, they, you know, you knew you were going to be laid off. You've accepted it in the past, so you can't now turn around and say it's a termination. Um, but if neither of these apply, then yes, it is a termination, and uh, the employee should get their you know full severance packages if it's a, a normal termination. Help at employmenthour.com and 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Dave or Lior or someone else at the firm. Anytime we're not doing the show, it's that's that's something you should be very aware of, that if you've let this go or, you know, someone moves your job or if you've gone across town or if you've taken a pay cut and you've done it in the past, this, this could set precedent and could harm you big time down the road, right? Yeah, that's the problem with, uh, especially with, with a layoff, is when you do accept it and you don't challenge it, uh, in the future, um, they do it again, they're, and you you do try to challenge. You say, no, I don't accept this. No, they say, no, like two years ago you accepted it, and four years ago you accepted it too. So obviously you knew we, we were allowed to do it. We thought we were allowed to do it, so there's nothing wrong. 
um, nothing wrong with it. And you actually, uh, it, it become, it forms part of your unwritten contract. Right. Um, so it's not, they don't have to include it in, in the, you know, written contract of employment. They can just get those, um, get that implied term by, uh, by actions. And like you've said, that happens, you know, that, that applies to a lot of different, um, you know, parts of the employment relationship. Um, you know, changing your work location, changing your hours, um, changing the bonus or compensation plan. Um, if you've accepted that in the past, um, then, you know, there's going to be an implied term moving forward that they're allowed to do it again. So when we, um, and you and I, John, have spoken with people on, on here where, you know, they're, they're trying to change the, uh, the compensation plan. And we always emphasize that the danger in, in just, you know, accepting this is all of a sudden they, it gives them leeway to make more changes in the future. And also, you know, 20 years from now when you stop working, look how it could significantly impact your severance if you've had a 30% pay cut over the last 20 years. That is a, uh, that's a lot of shekels you're going to be losing out on, right, if it ever comes down to that, right? Yeah, that can be, uh, you know, that's huge. And, uh, you know, where, where does it stop? Um, if, yeah. you, if, you're, if you accept, uh, you know, 20, 20% pay cut, I mean, uh, presumably they can make more pay cuts in the future. So uh, it's important to um, at least, uh, you know, expl- if an employer is going to make changes like that, you know, the employee, um, you need to voice your concerns. You need to let them know that it's not acceptable. And at least if you have that uh, on the record in writing, um, you know, you can prevent it from happening or at least uh, dispute it in the future. Um, it, for employers, um, and what we were talking about at the, in the week that was, yep. um, if you want to introduce new terms in the employment, uh, in, you know, to the employment relationship, you need to do it in a contract of employment. That's the best practice. Uh, have it in the contract employment and have give the employee some type of consideration so you avoid that very issue we talked about at the beginning. Um, have give them a signing bonus. Give them a raise. And include in the contract, you know, that temporary layoffs are allowed or, you know, a, a termination provision, uh, you know, you can introduce a termination provision. Um, maybe you can change the uh, the work schedule if that's going to be needed or work location uh, moving forward. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times employers say, oh, we don't want to give a, a raise or a, um, you know, a $1,000 signing bonus, let's say. But in that, in that case uh, we spoke about at the beginning, that if they just gave that person a, a signing bonus, a small signing bonus, they would have saved themselves a lot of money down the road in terms of the severance. If they do offer a consideration of signing bonus, a new car, something, if they do yeah. something like that, yeah. does the employee now have to accept it? Or do they still have the option to say, no, I don't accept it? No, they don't have to. Okay. Um, they don't have to. They can uh, They can say, no, I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, as is, and I'm not going to uh, not gonna sign this. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that would be the, uh, the best course of action, especially if you're faced with a clause, um, you know, mm-hmm. like a termination provision or a, or a temporary layoff provision. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk is the number to call in until about 10 to 8 tonight, toll free. Want to ask a question, any of this is uh, piqued your interest, feel free to throw a question across uh, Dave's bow there. He'll get it answered as best he can for the remainder of the show. Most common questions you get on the firm, on the phone lines, on the show every week, you know, and this this kind of is like what Gwen was talking about earlier. I tried to come back from uh, work after a disability leave, and my employer says, well, sorry, we haven't got a job for you. What do I do? Yeah, this is uh, always a tough one and seems to happen more often than you'd think. Um, and, I mean, I, I can see why it comes up because, let's say, an employee's gone for several years. Right. Um, you know, they need to, the employer needs to replace them, right? They need someone doing that job. Uh, obviously, that job exists for a reason. So they bring someone else in, and then, you know, a couple years later, the employee says they can come back, and the employer just looks around and says, oh, we don't really have anything for you. But, um, unfortunately, that's not uh, appropriate from the employer's uh, point of view. Uh, they need to return, uh, you know, a disabled employee uh, once they're able to um, return to their job or a substantially similar job. Um, 
the only way they can get around that is establishing undue hardship, um, which is very difficult in a you know a situation with a, a big company um, that uh, should have a lot of jobs. Um, like we were saying with uh, with Gwen at a big uh, large financial institution, uh, there's going to be a lot of jobs for her, right. That's a you know thousands of uh, employees, so right. they should be able to find something. Um, for that employee. So uh, any suggestion by the employer that they have absolutely no job, especially big employers, uh, is not going to be looked upon kindly by uh, by the courts. Help at employmenthour.com is the email address anytime. We'll get to one of these. Brenda writes in says, uh, my father just lost his job after 18 years and he was offered nine months severance. Is that all he gets? Is it accurate? That would not be a good... Uh Good severance package, and obviously the uh, looks like what they did here is a, a two week per year of uh, yeah, yeah. two weeks per year service, and uh, I find this is very common, um, and, and it makes sense. Employers need, um, you know, especially the bigger ones, they want some type of formula, right? And the easiest way to do it is years of service, and if that's your standard formula, um, sometimes it may make sense, and it actually may be a good severance package. Other times it's not going to be uh, a fair one. In this case, obviously it's uh, it's quite bad. Um, you know, 18 years of service offered only nine months. Um, depending on this, uh, on Brenda's father's uh, age and uh, yeah, his position, position right? you yeah. could get you know 18 18 months, uh, maybe a little bit more. So um, he should definitely uh, challenge this. Yeah, uh, most common questions you get as well. This one we we've talked. We actually we've done whole shows on this before, you and I. But uh, says uh, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm being harassed. What's my next step? What can I do? Yeah, this is obviously a. Uh, you know, a topical one right now uh, that we, we're seeing a lot of uh, har- harassment uh, cases come up these days. And uh, you have to start by speaking with uh, either the person who's doing the harassment. And in many cases, that may not be appropriate because you're you know, obviously uncomfortable or you feel, um, you know, threatened by that person. So you need to speak to human resources or, or management uh, or someone about the issue. And you should do it quickly and make sure it's, uh, you know, addressed right away. Um, because, uh, you know, you need to, uh, the last thing you want to do is, uh, you know, let the person think that that's okay and, uh, and continue to do it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You still got lots of time to call in. We're here to about, uh, 10 to tonight as we are on the employment hour during the week here on Global News Radio. There's also things that happen that when people lose a job, we call them post-employment obligations as well. So I'll run few, uh, a few of these and you can expand and answer them. First one is, uh, what obligations does an employee who leaves a job have to that former employer? So let's assume in this case there's nothing written. Uh, the, the obligations would be, to you know, treat confidential information com- you know, confidentially. And you right. can't start uh, disclosing confidential information to their competitors or to your new company or to the public. Uh, so that would be the big, uh, the, the, the primary one that uh, an employee should be concerned mm-hmm. with. Let's uh, bounce over to a quick phone call here. And I uh, got Mike on the line. Hey, Mike, good evening. Hey, good evening. Um, how are you today? Good, pal. What's, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, well, I've got a question for uh, one of my colleagues. Uh, uh, he's... Uh, about to well, he's about to be demoted, and uh, uh, he just feels it in his bone, and he's just uh, questioning, you know, you know, if there's any options available to him, um, you know, with a, you know, not taking a demotion, is it is it possible that they can that he he or she could walk away? Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yep. What okay. uh, what type of job uh, does the person have, Mike? It's a, it's a sales job. And what's the demotion going to be to? Um, you know, um, like, uh, like, you know, rep essentially. Okay. And, uh, how long have they been 
at this company? Um, five years plus. And would there be a corresponding reduction in pay, whether salary or you know commission opportunities? That's right. Yeah, there would. Eh? Okay. This is uh, demotion and a reduction in pay is a classic constructive dismissal. Um, you know, we talk about uh, you know different types of constructive dismissals, whether it's you know changing the work schedules, taking away duties and responsibilities, changing the work right. location. The classic ones, the easiest ones to establish, are a, a clear demotion and um, and or a uh, you know a reduction in pay. Um, what do you know what the reduction in pay would be? Um, Ten to twenty thousand. Wow. Don't forget that. So that's significant, yeah. So no. this, uh, your friend, you know, clearly, you know, shouldn't have to accept this, uh, this demotion, and um, so. So, question for you: yeah. if, if they decide to go to this constructive dismissal route, yeah, um, could they, could they uh, uh, potentially risk losing out on uh, on uh, on um, severance? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question because constructive dismissals are obviously a little trickier than a normal termination. A normal termination, yeah. they just let you go, and there's no argument about whether it's a termination. The, the argument is just whether you, you know, the amount of severance you get to. Constructive dismissal, there's a threshold question there. There's the first hurdle is, is it even a termination or did the person just quit? You've identified that perfectly because um, if, you know, if your friend is viewed as just resigning or quitting, they don't get any severance. Okay. Um, so there's, I mean, there's always a risk when you do, when it's a constructive dismissal, but I mean, a, a clear, demo, an actual demotion and a, a 10 to $20,000 reduction in pay in, you know, I'd be shocked if that's ever not a constructive dismissal. Yeah. Um, it's important they, they proceed carefully and, um, you know, they should, uh, give us a call and we can help them through that because it's important to, uh, let them know in writing, you know, that they're not, ex- you're not accepting the job. Um, you know, because of the demotion, um, because of the cut in pay. And a lot of the time I like to give the company one last chance to basically undo it or not go through with it. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, the other issue that the person faces is if they don't, um, you know, dispute it, if they don't dispute the demotion, they don't dispute the, the pay cut, then all of a sudden they've accepted it. So in six months, they can't then they can't do anything about it. In three months, yeah, they can't do anything about it. you've kicked that door open. Yeah, they have. So uh, it is important to uh, make your uh, your position known and uh, and dispute and don't that quit. right away. Yeah, right don't quit. Day, don't quit. <laughs> make it very clear it's it's because of the demotion, because yeah. of the pay pay cut, and uh, you can preserve your rights for severance. And with five years of service, uh, how old is your friend? Um, in the thirties. Thirties, and it's a sales role. So uh, I mean, I would check out the severance calculator just because uh, they'll have the ac- you know the actual age, but it's probably right around six months worth of pay. Um, so and it's at the old salary, right? Not the, not the new one. So okay, fair enough. Okay, thanks, Mike. You want uh, more information moving forward, or your friend as well? Make sure and make that phone call first before they make any move. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmenthour dot com. Yeah, post employment obligations. You always hear about this, uh, whether it's with especially sales roles like Mike's friend there, and that is the non compete, the non competition obligation. Uh, enforceable. Yeah, in most cases. Um, you know, the non-competition obligations are not going to be enforceable. Uh, the courts hate enforcing those because it's basically a restrictive covenant. It prevents the person from earning a living and, uh, and you know, making money and uh, being able to support themselves and their family. Um, so I would say just generally speaking, in most cases, they're not enforceable. Yeah. Um, to make them enforceable... Um, they have to be designed very carefully by the employer, and um, the way what we look at usually is the the space that it covers, 
and the uh, the time frame, and then just the the extent to which um, you know whether it's necessary to protect the employer's interests. So, um, you know, the, the, the smaller the space and the, the shorter the time frame and the more limited the, you know, to what industries or, right. or you know, businesses it applies to, the more likely it is to be enforceable. If you have, you know, in this, you know, five... Can't work a year, all of Canada. Like... Right. Yeah, and I've, yeah. I've, I've seen ones that, that are two years that anywhere in the world, any nice. yeah, any any type of industry, uh, basically you know it rem- even remotely related to the company, that is going to be very likely unenforceable. Now, if you have you know you can't do this ex- very specific uh, job within a five kilometer radius for six months, it's much more likely yeah. to be enforceable. So if you're an employer and you're designing these, think about what your objective is, and is it just to prevent the uh, the employee from you know taking you know taking customers right away and opening up a shop down the street then you know you don't you probably don't need it for more than six months or, or maybe a year right um and do you really not need them work do you, do you really need them not working in all of ontario or is it just you know the area of the city right. that you that you don't want yeah. them in so look at your objective look at what you're trying to do so if a non-compete obligation is not enforceable or in this case it isn't uh then can they just ignore it I mean, it's going to be void, so it's not going to be enforceable. But um, what I always tell people is, you're, this is probably unenforceable. But if your your company wants to, you know, your former employer wants to make an issue out of it, they can. And what that means is they can contact, let's say, your new employer and tell them. And then all of a sudden, you have this new job, yeah. and all and already um, within a couple weeks, they're getting. You know, threatened. You know, threatened to be sued by your, yeah. your former employer. So uh, they can cause problems for you. So um, you know, if you have a non-competition, a lot of the time uh, a non-competition obligation um, in your original employment contract, that's something I would want to negotiate um, when you're leaving that company. So it can be negotiated as part yeah. of the. Uh, let's say it's a, a termination. I always try to negotiate that and remove those types of uh, restrictive covenants to allow the person, the employee, to move forward with their with their life. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell or 1-888-225-TALK. you still got a couple minutes left here if you want to call in, ask a question about this or any other topic. So that's non-compete. There's also non-solicitation, which you, you touched on in the last description. That obligation, again, enforceable? Those are more likely to be enforceable, uh, non-solicitation. Basically taking business from your former employer, right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, and, and again, that goes back to what I what I was speaking about. What's the you know what's the objective? Is it necessary to protect the employer's mm. uh, legitimate business interests? Telling a person they can't work in a similar industry um, in the entire you know GTA for a year probably isn't going to um, you know isn't reasonable. It's not going to be needed to protect the employer's yep. business. But telling the employee that they can't contact all of the employer's customers uh, right after the day of termination and, and say, hey, come over to my new company I'm, or I'm opening my own you know, business, come over to me, that's right. a legitimate, you know, legitimate concern for employers. So in most cases, um, the non-solicits will be enforceable if, you, if you've agreed to them. Now, those people can come to you on their own volition. Yeah, so what a solicitation, you know, a non-solicitation usually does is it prevents the person from uh, a departing employee from reaching out uh, and contacting them. If they happen to find out that you, you've started your own business, uh, you wouldn't be breaching a non-solicit. Um, I mean, an employer could have a clause that's even more specific than a non-solicit that actually says you can't do any business with, uh, you know, with, with our former or with our customers. And a lot of the time that's basically a non-compete, right? Um, and like, I, like we said, that's probably going to be unenforceable. Let's get to a call from uh, from Ann here. Hi, Ann. Good evening. 
Hello. Hi there. What's um, going on? Hi. Okay. Well, I've been working in a hospital hospital as a unit clerk for 15 years, and they opened a new position as a trial and gave me no extra money, but um, I lost my benefit in the fact that I can't work um, extended shifts or overtime. I work Monday to Friday now, and so I've lost about $5,000 a year for the last three years. This was supposed to be a one-year contract, and it's now been a three-year position that I've held with no new contract. So I'm wondering what I can ask now that I am moving towards a, what they call a JIQ or they're trying to create a position for this job that I've taken. And uh, I, I just not quite sure how to ask for the right financial um, compensation for this, for the three years that I've been doing this without any sort of compensation. So are you in a union? No, it's a non-union position. Okay. Um, th- there's not a lot you can do about the previous, um, you know, the three years that you've, you've probably been you know, underpaid for this job. But um, so have you accepted this job? Like, have you signed a contract moving forward or did that one-year contract just cease? Uh, the one-year contract ended without any sort of updated contract or anything. I've still been doing the same or more um, more uh, responsibility for the last two three years. Okay, so you're a unit clerk, and, and it's just an unwritten contract that you have. Exactly. Okay, um, I mean, there's not a lot you can do, and it sounds like this is your position that you know you've accepted over the last several years. Um, obviously, you can try to negotiate, you know, a fair severance package, or sorry, a, a fair compensation package moving forward, or you know, if if they're going to let you go, a severance package. But uh, it sounds like uh, it's more about uh, you know leveraging that uh, the benefit uh, that you've brought them over the last three years and just negotiating a fair um, compensation package to reflect your hours and your job. And appreciate that call. It's the uh, final call for the night. Dave, nice work, my friend. Uh, moving forward, you want to get a hold of Dave Lior or a member of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. And if you haven't tried it yet, find out what that severance offer should be, the real number, severancepaycalculator.com. Till we do this again Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on point with Alex Pearson's coming right back on Global News Radio.